Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, listeners, and I'm back from my mini holiday. And boy, oh, did I enjoy it, mates! I went trekking into the wilderness, ate loads of dim sum, dodged some snakes and rocks and waterfalls, and had a good time all round. Busy as always, and now I'm back to kick butt with some more stone in the stream. An audiobook drama, chapters ten to fourteen this time, narrated for your lovely ears, and a story actually written by a listener, by Fee Stringer, which follows the self-discovery and mystical journey of our main character Zoe, who is about to encounter even more strange anomalies involving mystical stones, the past, dinosaurs, and more. Lastly, if you like what I do, support me with as little as a cup of tea a month via Patreon. Cheers, and let's dig in. Chapter Eleven, the burden of it. As her eyes moved towards the sky, every day it resembled more and more a brittle and cracking glass that barely held the darkness from the heavens at night from collapsing onto the landscape below. They were driving in twilight to a library out of state that had several resources needed to explore more deeply regarding some of the symbols that Zoe had scrawled. They were coming over one of the large suspension bridges. Just after a storm, and the air was filled with October light as the clouds gave way to the impending night, and the last few rays of the sun drowned in the west. Over the past few weeks, Zoe had tried to explain what she had seen to Jason. He knew several other details, but not the impressions it had left her with deeper down. There is evidence, not solid but evidence nonetheless, of pyramids that would be almost as big as the one you saw, Eastern Europe mainly. Jason said as he looked over to her in the passenger side. She had started wearing her signature fishnets again, as well as some of the more colourful jewellery. Her time away from the group home had allowed her to act more comfortable with herself than she had in quite a while. She had started with how the vision struck her like illustrations of other things, not of whatever being or beings that was trying to talk to her, more that these were the pictures they were trying to show her. Jason had listened to her. Attended to every word, writing down notes as they had plodded through her bizarre tellings. Equal parts frustration and fascination were clearly dueling within Jason's mind, to be given such small clues without any real means of following through. Zoe had been obliged to remind Jason that they could not just pick up and leave the chase down whatever leads and artifacts they wanted to on a whim. There was a paper trail that needed to be left in order for her to be placed in his care overnight. And not simply wander off. Power of attorney had been happily signed over by her mother, and thus Zoe was not able to leave when in Jason's custody. A fact that could not help but giggle at, given the fact that he was, in fact, acknowledged as the much more scatterbrained of the two of them. Zoe felt it happening once again as they pulled up to the library. Jason parked the car on the street, and they stepped into the pool of light cast down in a circle around them. There was something different. When she looked at Jason, his eyes met hers, and she could read immediately in his face that he sensed her distress. What is it? He asked. She looked him up and down. Jason smiled gently, enjoying her eyes moving over him, even though he knew the situation was absolutely wrong for it. She stopped her eyes on his neck. He moved his hand and touched it, 
he felt nothing out of the ordinary and asked again. What is it? I don't feel anything. Your brother's dog tag. It's gone. She said as she swallowed. Jason's brow furrowed, and the small non-verbal gesture froze her blood. Zoe, there wasn't a dog tag from my bra. Let me guess. She interrupted again. You never got your brother's dog tag after he died in Afghanistan, right? Zoe, I don't have a brother. They both knew what it meant as they walked in. Patrick and Jason's brother had joined each other in non-existence. Zoe wondered what about Jason had changed inside, now that Graham never was. If who he was had been removed and now Jason was a different person, or if Graham had still left a mark even though his memory was gone. She kept looking at him to see if it was obvious or fading slowly like the impression left in one's eye, after a camera with a flash is used, we're looking into it while a photo is being taken. They went to the employee entrance as instructed and were let in by the cleaning staff. The colleague of Jason had set aside the tablets for them in his office, but he explained that he would not be there when they arrived due to family obligations. The dim light of the closed library managed to manufacture shadows every few feet. Jason walked into the office and turned on the lights with Zoe just behind. The lights were fluorescent and in bad shape, flickering and buzzing above the desk. The two tablets, or fragments of the two tablets, lay there, and Zoe saw a sly smile cross Jason's face. He went to the desk, turned on the smaller light on the desk, and motioned to Zoe to kill the more distracting overhead lights so that they could concentrate. Jason sat, and he pulled up a chair for Zoe so that she could sit next to him. But she did not sit down at first, instead leaning over the tablets, her fingertips tracing their contours with care, eventually finding their way to the symbols and petroglyphs carved upon them. He studied her as her hand studied the artifacts. Zoe closed her eyes and allowed her mind to flow into the stone, as she had done so many times before with nervousness riding her thoughts, holding her back. She opened her eyes and looked at Jason for a moment and frowned. He gave her a reassuring smile, and she closed her eyes again, trying to push through the wall of anxiety. Years and years of dust and darkness had surrounded this stone. It had sat in a shadow for thousands of years. Then bursts of light at the stone was carved and cut by fevered hands. She slowed her feelings and tried to feel the artist. Clashed and bloodshot eyes looked on as this stone had been sculpted. Fear and power had gone into its work lines and symbols. The symbols, their meanings, their messages. She had tried to find it through the passion and the dread that had caused through the sweat of its creator. It is hungry. They are hungry for all. They devour all. From one to the next. From the ancestor to the child. From the memory to the offspring. Hunger. Devouring. Hunger. The minds collided in her skull and her eyes opened. Zoe could not tell, though her eyes felt open. But there was only the dark. She closed and opened them again. Still darkness, but there was rain in the background this time. She opened her eyes again and felt the chair in her back. Her hands were on the tablet still with her eyes finally open, immediately making contact with Jason's. Whoever made this was very afraid, Jason, she said. And I think they may have been eaten. As they drove back to the hotel, separate rooms in the same suite, Jason said bluntly, so you could read it somehow. His scientific brain was still fighting against her reported impressions from the tablet. Zoe sighed gently and nodded. I think some of it. She understood that Jason had no real reason to believe her, 
and was putting his faith in her, which must have been difficult. How? He asked after a moment of silent driving. I'm not a psychic or anything. It's not like a power or something I would call a power. Zoe had never been asked to explain it to anyone before and had never thought to do so. It's kind of like, you know when someone can look at a jar of jelly beans and know exactly how many are in it? Or someone can hear a car and know exactly what and where the problem is to the exact screw? Jason's expression did not change, but Zoe could see him going over the information in his head, analyzing the validity of her statement. So, he said slowly, You are saying it is a Sherlock Holmes-like kind of intelligence then? How the character could just look at an object, and by seeing the dust and markings on it, know where it had come from and, and what had happened to it? That kind of thing. A detective-like ability? She smiled and shrugged. I never really looked at it that way, but that way of putting it fits, I guess. She tried to adjust her wording into a scientific realm of description. It could be a form of analysis, I suppose. I touch things and I just can feel the history in them. Almost like some sort of laboratory equipment. <laughs> she giggled lightly and her demeanor changed. But don't forget, Dr. Roach, you did spring me from my lonely bin. So this could all be bullcrap. I could just as easily say that I could shoot waffles out of my ears. And it may be just as true. Waffles, he repeated wistfully. He could not contain a small grin as he pulled off of the road. You did just use some kind of superpower to make me feel hungry for waffles. He pulled into a 24-hour Coney Island and stopped the car. She devoured her food quickly, as did Jason. Chapter 12 Signpost Jason sat in his apartment, looking through his journal. He had dropped Zoe back off at the group home several hours before, but had decided that he was too tired and agreed to take the sofa and give her the bed. He was mulling over the information he now had as she watched. She imagined the questions in his mind. Was she imaginative to the point of self-deception? Or was this ability of hers something that he could actually depend on? He went over the images from the plateau of Leng and compared it to his notes from the tablets that Zoe had read. She had mentioned that the artist or artists who had carved had been eaten, and his expression at the time illustrated that he had thought she had been sarcastic at the time, but now there was doubt. Jason set the smooth stone on the table with his notes, and his reflections looked like stars. So, I think we should... Those were the words she heard Jason speak in his soothing and reassuring voice before everything went still. There was a knock on the apartment door. Jason looked ridiculous and sad to Zoe. Mid-sentence frozen in time, his mouth in sneer of mid-vowel. The particles of dust, usually invisible to human eyes, were suspended, glittering in space. The visage distracted her for a moment until the rapping on the apartment door cut through the stillness again. Zoe knew how sinister the situation was. Logic would dictate caution but there was no logic in this frozen vista. She answered the door, opening it slowly and cautiously. She met an amalgam of familiar eyes, shifting in silhouettes all in one humanoid form. The world around the form was a shimmering wash of geometry and vibrating strands, where bland colors and angles would crystallize and then liquefy. The shape reached for her with a hand, no, with its appendage, 
roughly a human hand, but the shifting world around shared properties with shifting environments around them. Human skin, scales, suction cups all join the different substances that made up the surface of the limb, and the very thought of its making contact made Zoe's eyes water with dread. She did not back away as her blood ran cold with morbid fright that froze her muscles. It touched her arm, and the nerve endings of her wrist felt the humidity and temperature of the form's hand dermis change its substance. She looked up from where it grasped her, and her green eyes met the face that was an ocular collage, blinking and observing from whatever mysterious intelligence that lay within. It pulled her gently, and her fear began to well up in her throat. She would not have been surprised if she vomited from it, but thankfully, she managed to keep her waffles contained within her as her feet reluctantly moved to accommodate where the form was intending her to follow. The world grew darker and darker until the shifting mural of reality had turned almost entirely to shadow. She considered it merciful that her guide was barely visible, although the physical sensations in her wrist held as a reminder of its nature. She knew that touching the tablet and the appearance of the stone had once again unlocked whatever corridor of her mind that made this encounter possible. Her footfalls were on a dusty ground now, and the world was starting to solidify. The sound of stones clashing together in the distance quickly became more and more audible. There were people making the carvings, but just barely could they be considered people. Their skin was moistened and pale, and sickly motions dictated their movements. Their eyes were yellowed by a myriad of unknown ailments that she had no imagination to delve into. Zoe stood watching in a cavernous place. Her guide was nowhere to be seen, but she could feel its presence behind her. Time was flowing at undetermined speeds, and she witnessed the creature's carving with such artistry and yet such desperation, and she felt days and months merge together. They were working from a place of fear within, knowing that their existence was being consumed by something beyond all control, hoping that somewhere this would survive their inevitable demise. The alien had touched her shoulder, and her body reacted to its alien beckoning. The world began shifting and turning once again. For a moment it appeared that the form was trying to speak, but then changed its purpose as if giving up on the attempt. The form reminded Zoe of Virgil leading Dante through the circles of hell, seeing wonders that despite all efforts she knew she would never be able to purge from her mind. She did not think she could find a way to be surprised from the sensations surrounding her, but then it happened once again. The world solidified with a wave of humidity and warmth. She wanted to close her eyes and pretend she was not experiencing the encounters and lurid sensations around her. But when she closed her eyes, she felt her guise, disturbing influence, reach deep within her and force the muscles in her eyelids to obey its will. Zoe opened her eyes and beheld a green tropical forest. The vegetation was gargantuan in size, the huge leaves glistening with moisture and sunlight. The forest, from her standpoint, was endless, both in its size and sound. The buzzing of titanic insects and the whisper of distant rain formed a rhythm of sound that was strangely soothing for a few passive seconds. Then Zoe turned her head and saw the orange and red orb hovering above and to her right. She tried to focus on it through the haze and din of insects, but the atmosphere made her light-headed. Somewhere in the back of her mind, 
she remembered a science class about there being more oxygen in the prehistoric past. The orb blinked, and the realization that the orb was in fact a large reptilian eye dawned upon her. It regarded her with a simple intent that a hunter regards its prey. It had a large camouflaged body that blended in with the surroundings, save for the eyes and its jaws unlocking for feeding. Zoe looked up in disbelief upon disbelief to have been the only person she knew that was going to be killed in this way. A fucking dinosaur was going to eat her and that she walked to this end, led by some unholy entity. She took one step back and nearly fell as the ground shifted on its own. Her eyes shifted downward for a moment to see what was happening, and to her terror she saw that her foot had been atop a massive beetle, roughly the size of a salad plate, that scurried away. When she looked back up, both of the reptile eyes had fixed upon her and were closing in, this time accompanied by predator teeth meant for tearing meat. A thought ran through her head as she began to turn and run. This is not what the tablet meant by being eaten. Her feet struck mud and leaves as she tried to plow away from the reptile through the balmy air. She felt the beast behind her more than she heard it. It moved swiftly and remarkably quiet for its size. Adrenaline and sweat made her muscles burn and her vision blur. A dragonfly the size of a deli submarine sandwich whizzed by her head as she continued to run. In all of the horror movies she had loved to watch, she always laughed out loud when the female being chased by something or someone needlessly tripped and fell. And when her legs went out from under her, due to an unfortunately placed root, she screamed instead as she felt its primordial breath engulfing her. Her body, locked in a fetal position, felt the ground shake. At first, she thought it was simply some step of her final experience as a living person. But after a few seconds, she opened her eyes. She was coldly disappointed to see that she was still in the forest and her would-be execution of a beast still stood above her. But something was different now. The hazy light of the tropical biome was now gone. The sun was no longer providing light. The creature darted its head around, now seemingly uninterested in Zoe. She looked at it and could not help but wonder if a larger predator had frightened hers. Zoe was still in too much shock and too afraid to move for fear that it might chase her again. The sudden change had clearly disoriented not only her pursuer, but most of the life in the rainforest as well. The insects grew quiet and Zoe heard the grunting of some other reptilian beast that was within a few hundred yards of her. She slowly sat up and dared to look around. She could still see the blue sky, but it was further away now. Much like seeing the sun at the border of a great storm trying desperately to remind the world below of its existence. Zoe remembered a similar light as a middle school student when she witnessed a solar eclipse. And she wondered if that maybe was what she was witnessing now. A terrible wind came all at once, rushing through the trees and foliage. The creature that stood above her let out an inhuman but confused sound that resembled a bark. At last, she saw it. A huge mass in the sky that would have made a child wonder if the moon were crashing into the earth, or if the sky itself had blackened and began to fall. There was nothing else in the world now but the heavens, black streaks like photonegatives of shooting stars surrounding the black mass at the center. I know what this, Zoe said out loud, this was the end of all of you. 
the famed meteor that ended it all for the dinosaurs that once owned all those bones at the Natural History Museum. But what she saw in the sky was not possible. It had qualities that defied all she knew. The thing in the sky was meteor-like to be sure, but it was sucking in the light from the sky. And its smaller parts that had broken off on its descent towards the earth was changing direction, spreading out from the mass like slowly spreading fingers away from the palm stretching in the morning. The object in the center began sucking the air from the world as it approached. The cold wind was now a terrible howl that blended with the sound of animal terror from the jungle, as all of the creatures sensed the unnatural, unnameable thing devouring nature itself all around them. Even the beast that would have ended her life without a thought, she felt for to the point of tears forming in her eye. The hole in the sky was moments away from making its impact that would end all of them when Zoe felt the sickening touch on her neck. Her host had returned in the last few seconds and the world shifted again. Through the mysterious lens of perception, the fact that her host brought a sense of calm as he removed her from the apocalyptic scene, she found even more disturbing. Zoe shook her head, trying to unwind what was happening and why. What was the mass in the sky? What was the entity that had led her here? How did this relate to Patrick? More morphed and shifted familiarly as she followed it. The thought welled up within, but both the proto-humans and the primordial world were fearful of the impending event that followed shortly after and both could do nothing about it. Also, both events had only left mere traces behind of what they once were. Chapter 13 So Much More is this what Patrick is to me now? My memory of him is like a fossil on the rock or an ancient carving in stones. Zoe thought for a few fleeting moments before her path led to their next destination. She blinked and felt the ground beneath her feet disappear. When Zoe's eyes opened again, she found herself suspended hundreds of feet above the surface. Her body was adjusting to the thin, cold air and her eyes beheld a vista of dizzying proportions. She was above a vast metropolis of stone and obsidian, impossibly high towers stretching to the skies, reflecting lights and shadows from the sun above. Even with all of the differences, she could still tell that this was Earth's sun, even if it was a much older version of it. As her eyes searched the scene, she saw the inhabitants of this place held no place in any of even the most obscure of Jason's work. There was not even the most vague hint of human form in these beings as they scurried upon the bridges and arches in and out of the structures. She could see they bore resemblance to arthropods in their many limbs and greyish colour, but they scuttled about in ways that brought about memories of centipedes under stones in her garden growing up, movements that were so quick. And her vantage point was so far removed that she could not gather much detail about any additional physical characteristics Although, some of the ways that they moved remind Zoe of the creatures she witnessed in the park when the vision with the pyramid struck. Perhaps they were some sort of ancestor, she thought to herself. The structures they had built, however, revealed so much more. The artistry and scale that Zoe saw was breathtaking to the point of almost dizzying. The amount of engineering and skill that had gone into every detail she could lay her eyes on was more than any human hand had ever created. This she was sure of. Even from her elevated position, the towers stretched far above in the distance, reaching into the mists far above. 
She could only guess as to the purpose and intricacies of this civilization and its structure. Her senses told her that this was certainly older than humanity, as well as much older than the dinosaurs, but with no records whatsoever in the scope of man's knowledge that she was aware of. If only Jason could see it. She knew that whatever these beings were, they must have been doomed as well, as was consistent with what her strange host had been illustrating to her. The trains of thought broke once again. At first, though, we thought they must have been shifting in time to another mural of strange and terrifying unknown history, but this was different somehow. Zoe felt the presence of her host, but found no sign of it with her regular senses. The dread welled up within her. The cityscape was gone, the towers had faded to black, shadow upon shadow upon shadow, closed in around her. There was no longer the feeling of a shifting in a void of emptiness, but instead a slow crushing over her body. Her lungs struggled to expand in this new atmosphere, panic rising in her nerves. She tried to speak, perchance, that the form would hear her. Where are you? She gasped. What is this? The answer came in front of her eyes. An agonizing moment later, the familiar yet sickening form appeared to her inches away from her face, its head full of eyes. Both familiar eyes and alien, it looked panicked, one of the eyes forming something resembling a mouth for a moment. Zoe! It said in a combination of voices all at once, the two dominant voices that she heard, those of Patrick and Jason. All of those eyes exploded, and the choking darkness returned, filling her eyes, her nose, her ears, and flowing down into her throat. And we'll stop at chapter 4, part 2, Time Passes. Got to say that time stopping and time traveling stone is really powerful. Being able to hop in and out of historical events, witness time stopping, and meeting a time traveling being. Zoe either has an active imagination or something special is reaching out to her. Join me next Wednesday for the continuation of The Stone in the Stream. Mates, thank you for listening. At this point, I want to thank my Patreons. They keep the lights a-glowing of this podcast. First up is my Odinite Tea Titan, Magnanimous Megastar Maya, the Queen of Cats. Thanks to you, mate. I've been able to deep dive into sound mastering and repair. I have a long, long way to go still, but you've given me the opportunity to do so. I've been experimenting with different tools and plugins within the new software suite, and i got to say it's a real blast. I'll be doing an old-time radio this Friday as my thank you to you, Maya, and a means of showcasing the tool in all its glory. Cheers, you legend. My first white tea warlord, Lezasaurus Rex, a fitting title for today's episode, right? Mate, thanks to you, Leza, I've been able to work closer on the online platform Headliner to produce even more content for peeps to see this show, and I'm also working with artists to start working on specific art pieces. Just want to say thank you to your lovely self for being amazing as always. Thanks, mate, and stay brilliant. Page the Sage. Mate, thank you for your brilliant self as always. I actually intended to respond on my holiday, but basically completed the outdoors trek and slept the whole weekend. <laughs> Holy moly, was that a difficult six hours of walking. Yikes. Mate, thanks to you, Paige. You've covered my basic subscription costs and core overheads for the podcast. Thank you so, so much. Can't wait this weekend where I've put time aside just to get back to you. So yeah, looking forward to it. Cheers, Paige. My epic Earl Grey Enforcers, I'm lucky to have Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffelli, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, 
divided by zero and Leah Fassig. Thank you all and stick with me Friday for some old time radio remastered for your brilliant ears. As always, mates, till next week.